Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. What is on your desk over there, by the way? Did you bring a gun to work? Not that that's a problem here, but... Oh, you're honoring my wish. Okay. If I attempt to make sense of this on the air whatsoever, moving forward, any of these legalities or anything, just drill me, basically. Just shoot me right now. Shoot me here. Shoot right? me, not... not. Not, not what you just said. Just shoot, yeah, shoot him. Uh, yeah, just well, yeah. Forget that I said the former. Just shoot me. Yes, indeed. Todd, we shot it before he came in. Yep. Is it going to hurt? It's gonna sting. Is For it? Sixteen dollars. By the way, you're wearing a target today, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just I, my only request, Todd. Be sure you hit Steve. I'm not really so sure, so concerned about his pain. There is a really expensive TV behind him, so just make sure you do uh, not hit that. Yes, yes. Uh, that, of course, is Aaron McIntyre. We are joined today as well for the Dace Group in a moment by Blaze TV <laughs> contributor Jill Savage. Nice shirt. Well played. Well Thank played. You. I liked it. All right, so uh, coming up a little bit later on, we will get to some feedback Friday on the show. I won't have time next week to do this because we are off Uh, Monday and Tuesday next week. So we won't have any Pop Culture Tuesday. And by the time we have our next Pop Culture Tuesday, I'm sure there will be another movie that Hollywood will release that will absolutely just crush crush us and disappoint us. But can I just give you guys a very quick review? I saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny last night. You're a glutton. I know, I know. At some point. I know. And I I need to just, I just sometimes, I need to see things for myself sometimes. Okay. And I have to tell you, the way that it started off, I'm thinking, huh. I'm, I think I'm going to be wrong about this. The opening CGI de-aged sequence where you see Indiana Jones still in his prime doing his thing is, is, is tremendous and, a, and very thrilling and a, and a throwback to what the Indiana Jones that we grew up with. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing like, let me jump into a, to an icebox to avoid a nuclear blast like Crystal Skull. There's nothing like that, okay? It's, it's, and that was the best part of that movie. Might have been. Might have been, yeah. And, uh, and, and I'm thinking in the first 10, 15 minutes of this sequence, I'm thinking maybe, maybe their brand is just irrevocably damaged. And so even when they do something good, it won't get recognized now because this is actually, this is Indiana Jones. This is what I remember, all right? Then that sequence ends and we get to the rest of the movie. And, and essentially, it's the last, it's the last Jones. Like, the, it's the last Jedi. It's the last Jones. Except this movie is not as well made as The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is easily the best made film of the sequel trilogy. It's just the most infuriating because it destroys every trope and narrative that the, its predecessor began and uh, deconstructs Star Wars as a narrative entirely. This does the same thing. Indiana Jones, we now go to the present, or at least his present. It's 1969. He's on the brink of retirement. He is embittered. He's alone. He's in self-exile, broken, cynical, has no purpose, just like where we find Luke Skywalker. It's the same story. It's the same story. And, and I've, I'm going to coin a new term. The female empowerment construct. That's, I'm going to trademark. Can we trademark that? I'm trademarking that. The female empowerment construct, all right, that has to be in every film because no man can possibly man up or be one without it, okay? So the female empowerment construct is just like Ray. 
she comes to find him to dig him out of the stupor that he's in okay uh and lead him around except she's not nearly as likable as ray is in the in, in the star wars sequels in fact i watched this movie for two and a half hours last night i don't i don't remember her name i don't remember what her name was she's extremely unlikable throughout most of it she has to save him several times and we get to the very end of the story. I won't spoil anything in case you also are a glutton for punishment. But at least at The Last Jedi, and this is the argument that Todd, you and I had and for several months after that movie, at least at the end of The Last Jedi, there is a heroic sacrifice that Luke does make to save, to save the, 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 the resistance. That does happen. That's okay? true. And he makes it of his own will. Gives up his own life of his own free will sacrificially to save his, the resistance, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen here. At the end of the film, after she saved him enough times that they finally get to the end of the story, which I won't spoil, um, he is still so broken. You would think, okay, now he's re-inspired, he's refocused, he's recentered, he's ready to, you know, you know, to not live. He's basically uh, Indiana Torino is, when we, is, is how we find him in the summer of 1969. Yelling at guys, playing uh, Magical Mystery Tour too loud. By the way, that album is from 1967, not 1969. They couldn't even get that part of it right. Okay, the Beatles like released four more albums after Magical Mystery Tour, but whatever. Okay. So, um, we get to the end. Like, they got nothing right. Nothing's right in this film. See, if it was a good movie, you would be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's but just, this is just this insulting. Is just, that's just one more thing. I'm insulted. At least, at least get the era right. Okay. I mean, and so, like, have the, have the hippies listening to Helter Skelter from the White Album or something from Abbey Road. That was out in 69, not Magical Mystery Tour from two years prior. All right, just, just kind of mailing it in the whole way, mailing it in. And then at the end, when you think after this adventure, he's rediscovered that there's a purpose for him in his twilight years. No, he is still so broken, he doesn't, he doesn't want to return to being Indiana Jones. And she, against his will, she has to, she has to bring him back. And I can't say any more because it would spoil it. It's not even an Indiana Jones reunion, man. It's Indiana Jones karaoke. It's watching, you know, it, it's, it's, it's some drunk guy at the karaoke bar. And the, and the which in, back in the day was probably me. And, and the first song, you know, uh, uh, Garth's song he sings is right in his key. And so you're like, huh, not bad. You know, you got some pipes on you. Then he starts singing two or three more songs. You realize that's actually not Garth Brooks. That's just a drunk guy at a bar. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how this movie was. There's the opening CGI de-aging sequence, and you actually see Indiana Jones, the one we all grew up with. And you're like, huh, that guy's just, he can nail Friends in Low Places. He, this might be it. This might be what I'm looking for. And then the, the, the next two acts remind you that this is just a karaoke. No, sir. You're, I'm sorry, sir. This is a karaoke bar. In fact, I was bored. I looked at my watch several times during the second act. I, I was bored during it. I, I, I just, can you guys make something good? Is it possible? They were, you guys were all a bunch of lefties when we were growing up too, but at least you could entertain us. Now you suck at that. Can you make something good? Something. Something. It's very clear that this was done to create a franchise with her. Again, whatever, what's her nuts? I don't know what her name is. Okay, to create some, where he was going to pass the baton to her, like Luke passed the baton to Ray. This thing's going to bomb so bad, that's not going to happen. 
So is the Ray Star Wars movie that's coming up. I agree. If it's exactly what we think it is, and it's unfortunate because Ray is a much better character and a much more likable character than this one. Okay. Ray is actually honoring of her elders. Ray is actually honoring of Luke. This chick, not. She's a snot, actually. So I, I just, if I didn't know any better, I would say she was the, the I would say, I would say that, that, that I'm sorry, the, the um, uh, female empowerment construct was actually, in this case, specifically done to chastise Indiana Jones as some relic from a past era of the patriarchy. I, I just... It's like they are, they are on purpose trying to ruin everything. They are. And yes. maybe because so, they okay. are. Yeah. Indeed. So with that lament over, it is time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins, as it always does, with issue one. Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month. And actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy summer of pride. God created humankind in God's image. Male and female, God created them. And some grown-ups read that line and they think that God created only male and female. I'm like, well, but that doesn't make any sense. Because we know that there's lots of people who are beyond and between male and female. I'm trans, right? Like, we don't have to go very far to see this. T-Shock, the hate speech bill makes gender a protected characteristic, but Michael McDowell and others have noted that the Gender Recognition Act only recognizes two genders, while the hate speech bill explicitly refers to more genders than just male or female. How many genders are there, and, you know, can we get the government's official position on that? Oh, look, there isn't, there isn't official position on that. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads. We don't control health care. We don't control how gender-affirming care is provided or if it is provided. But where we have laws that require you to fulfill your obligations if you want that Medicaid dollar to come to your state, we're going to make sure you check the box. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I certainly uh, understand that, that some have chosen to attack the integrity of the Justice Department as components and its employees by claiming that we do not treat like cases alike. Uh, this constitutes an attack on an institution that is essential to American democracy and essential to the safety of the American people. Nothing could be further from the truth. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. The Hunter Biden story, the scandal, the this, the that, it's also the story of a father's love. And Joe Biden has never and will never give up on his son, son Hunter, and will never treat him lesser than. And so he is a father first. Take it 
or leave it. If you are not black, if your skin is not brown, if you are not melanated, then you do not have the right to come under my videos talking back to my people. Your opinions are not wanted, nor are they relevant. I thought, I thought you were going to arrest him. I wouldn't call. I just wanted to leave this alone. I understand, but we still have a job to do. Now he's going to sit. He's going to think I'm doing this because I'm white and he's black. Or he's homeless and I'm not. I don't want but did that. He, but did he do what he did? Yeah, but I don't want him thinking that I did it because he's in whatever situation he's in. I, I just want him to leave us alone. I doubt that. For Taylor Swift and her Swifty fans and all music that inspires us, help us shake it off when life takes a turn. Remind us that we can still make the whole place shimmer. And when the time comes, help us confess and say, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me, God of love. Ladies, if, if you have no longer a desire to fulfill your wifely duties for your husband, here is how, what I would suggest for you. Every night before bedtime, show them that video of that white guy crying that the police, a, a, a black cop, arrested the black guy who was threatening to assault him. And it breaks him down crying in his white liberal guilt. Show him that. And if, if that doesn't work to emasculate your man properly, it, though it didn't make the montage, Mike Pence in Ukraine. And now, the trade-off here is you're going to probably have to wear the pants moving forward. This may do the job too good. All right, so there's always a trade-off, guys. Always a trade-off. I mean, you'll get more sleep at night. You know, you won't be dreading bedtime any longer. The, the trade-off is you'll be dreading probably the time of the, the rest of the day as you have to be both the man and the woman in the relationship. But uh, So I don't want to make it look like this is a panacea. There's always a trade-off. But I do think that that would very effectively... Um, allow you uh, to uh, get you off the hook every night at bedtime. Don't say I haven't done anything for you. Jill, you get the first question. What was the most vomitous filth that you just ingested? Uh, Aaron, first of all, I hate that video. So uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that so much. Um, I will comment first, though, on what Steve talked about. Uh, the white man just crying. Come on. Where you, you guys say on the show all the time. Where are the men? This is ridiculous to be crying in a park because you are going to be perceived as a racist when there, there was an actual crime committed against you, but you're so scared. This is what they've done to us is they, they've just said, oh, toxic masculinity, get out. We can't have any room for that. And heaven forbid you offend anyone by arresting them after they've committed a crime. Uh, also want to make a note on Mike Pence. He he not only was in Ukraine visiting Zelensky, but he was also there, I believe, the same day yeah. as Greta yeah. Thunberg. Yeah. There is nothing more poetic. Like, we couldn't have planned that out any better than Mike Pence and Greta Thunberg at the same place, at the same time. 
probably very similar reasons, but we're, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. Happy Pride Month. There, it's gonna be the summer of Pride. Uh, the, the Pride Month that really was very tame as we were all predicting going into this one, that it was going to be one of the worst. And it has actually been one of the best until we of course see Aaron's videos, which are always terrible. But they are saying the quiet parts out loud because even though there's a backlash this month, I know that they said, oh, we've been saying this for a long time. So you've just been grooming the kids for even longer. That's what you want us to believe. But they aren't scared anymore to come out and say the quiet parts out loud. And I feel like that is that is where we get the poll numbers more shifting in our favor because people can't just say love is love. And you know now that they are going after the children. And that is a line that even normal people who don't pay attention to the news will wake up and see and say, that's not right. Well said, Todd. I fear not enough of them, though. I fear not enough of them, though. The, uh, I, I think the, I'm going to give it to the bleeding sheep in the, I don't know how many times she was actually on, the sorceress who was leading. Sorceress, I like it, yeah. That's one of my favorite, rereading Exodus once again. It gets into the uh, laying out uh, the various moral code addressing uh, murder and adultery, and it gets kind of nuanced and you know situational, and and uh, so there's codicils, you know, you know, there's some gray area here. We got to work through this on murder and adultery. We're not going to be rash. It honestly, after that, it gets to sor- it literally gets to sorceresses and just says kill them. That's it, and just walks away to the next thing. Um, so there's that. But it's the it's the bleeding sheep. The, it she's not just reciting. They're they're with her. You know, it's it. There, there's an entire mob of insanity that just kind of it. Well, first of all, it didn't wake up because this last election because there wasn't a red wave. It gives itself all kinds of excuses why I may or may not wake up this time and ultimately the the bleeding sheep who yes go to that place but they're not any better they're uh, they're not any worse quite frankly than our bleeding sheep in fact our bleeding sheep are even worse because they actually have some kind of code they say they do that they're the normies they're the reasonable ones but but you're if you're watching this just Whatever you're doing now in your life it is not going to beat those people. Those people have it turned up to 11 all the time. And I know that's frustrating for you, but you're going to have to deal with it. It's non-negotiable. Those people in the background who have a level of passion as that black woman on there says, how dare you? Don't even, I get to say whatever I want. And you're not allowed to come in and even say anything. They go onto a social media to assault you, to rape your consciousness, and you're not allowed to say anything back. You think that's just going to work itself out? These people are showing you there, this is our religion, this is our faith. We have human sacrifices, and it's you. And we just round you up and do whatever we want to with you. It's pathetic. You're all that crying white guy. Even if you're a conservative, you're still him. Because you sit there and you take it. Aaron. There's a lot to choose from this week. 
but I'm going to go with HHS secretary, and it is pronounced for once and for all. I've been so confused. Google tells me it's Xavier Becerra. He pronounces it Javier Becerra. It's a really weird way to say Javier. It is Javier Becerra, HHS secretary, Javier Becerra. This is, a, this is instructive. When the left has any control whatsoever, they use it to the nth degree. He's saying there, and he's said in the past, hey, if your hospital gets Medicaid funding and they don't trans the kids, you will not get Medicaid funding. They're basically saying if somebody is relying on Medicaid funding who is on death's door, they can go ahead and die because you won't trans the kids. Yep. On our side, I don't know, maybe just because Jill is here and she's in Nashville, we have... We have Republican governors who call for a special session to curb the Second Amendment. That's the worst. Exit question. On a scale of one to ten, with one being how comfortable Trump was having Lindsey Graham standing behind him at the Faith and Freedom Coalition event last week. And ten being how comfortable Lindsey Graham was. Rank this week's level of total depravity. Jill. Solid 10 after that. Todd. 10. Aaron. 10. Thank you, Jill. I appreciate it. All right, issue two. What the hell just happened in Russia? Last weekend, a former hot dog salesman and current mercenary chief staged a coup against the Kremlin, but then didn't. Vladimir Putin has never been weaker, but has also never been stronger. The developments are a boon for Ukraine, but also its greatest threat. And the former reality TV star at the center of this conflict over the fate of Western liberal democracy, Vladimir Zelensky, just canceled democracy in Ukraine this week. I think I covered all my bases. That's all we know. That is, that is all we know for sure. We know that for sure. We don't know anything else. Um, so make sense of that, Todd. I think that's the plot of the next Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Marching on Moscow. One, one mercenary brigade facing no resistance. Because, you know, Moscow is just like right on the border, right? It's like Omaha and Council Bluffs just across the river. Okay. Easy to get to. Not really. So going to march hundreds of miles into Russia. No air support. No internal defense forces coming out in any of the external towns to meet me before I arrive. Moscow, Putin's already sandbagging the city. Okay. And then just hop on a plane to Belarus. And like George Bailey once said to Violet, just forget the whole thing. Make it make sense, Todd. Make it make sense. The only way to make this make sense is to think that, as I've said before, like Ukraine is the reverse Wakanda. It is <laughs> it, something is going on there that is dark and deep and is ultimately the fulcrum of all that is and all that will be for this level of farcical nonsense to have so much all in on it because this this is like this is like the 
the the Biden presidency. Well, it, you know, that's impossible. It's not going to happen. Nobody's voting for it. And all of a sudden it is. You look at what just happened. The guitar playing naked. Like, oh, that's not going to be. That's what's necessary and possible in this day and age. There's all kinds of people who will sell out. Like those people in the ridiculous churches I just got done talking about. Just, whatever. As long as I get what I want. The affirmation, the attention, the cash, whatever. It's, it's made it easier than ever before for the James Bondvillian types that want to control everything to control everything. They never have to come out. They have all these ridiculous idiot puppets that they can uh, work to their advantage. And we are so starving in, uh, for attention in our social media depressed anxiety age that, you know, we'll slap on the Ukraine flag and scream at anybody who has a question about it. So I can't make it make sense other than Bond villain nefarious Marvel comic depth of villainy is real. Jill, make it make sense. Uh, this whole war has been a false flag. So is it any surprise that the coup attempt in the middle of the war is also a false flag? Now, I'm not going to pretend to be a Russian expert here, but what I do remember uh, was last summer when Brittany Griner uh, she was sentenced to nine years in prison for carrying a little vape pen through the airport. So you're telling me that Putin, who is just totes cool with this coup attempt uh, in his country, is just like, you know what, bro? Go ahead. You know, We're just going to send you to Belarus. No charges are going to be pressed. Everything is fine from here. I don't know Putin personally. I don't want to. But I am fairly certain that if this was a real coup attempt he would not be getting the luxuries of no charges pressed against you, carry on with your life. Now, th that's just me, but I, I, I think that the United States, you know, they love I know, that. is it the year of Jubilee in the Russian Orthodox Church? And we just don't know. I mean, maybe, so all maybe. is forgiven. I, I, I don't know, you know. But we, we love money laundering so much that we're just going to keep it going through Ukraine and we're going to pretend and gaslight the American people to make this war endless. And, and you said it before, Steve, is the, the amount of coverage that you've seen, the actual video from this is the most that we've seen in the war. Where are the embedded journalists? If this is a real war going I on- got, We saw more of the, of the hot dog salesmen marching on Rostov yes. Saturday morning than we have seen the last six months combined of the war in Ukraine. Yep. Think about all the embedded reporters that we saw in Iraq and yep. Afghanistan, and they were there covering the stories. Nobody's in Russia. Nobody's in Ukraine. False flag. Aaron? I'm going to make an attempt at, at what I know. The forces representing Ukraine, whatever that is, WEF, United States, you know, um, George Soros, whatever. You know, whatever those are. The forces there... One, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, whatever forces are behind this. Number two, I think along the lines of what Todd was saying, whatever is going on there, this has gone on for so long now. This conflict has gone on for so long now. We spent so much money there. We're going through the couch cushions at the Pentagon to find billions more dollars that we can immediately send to Ukraine. Whatever is going on there, they cannot tell the truth about I'm talking about mm -hmm. the pro-Ukraine forces. Whatever is going on there, it's gone on long enough, they cannot tell the truth about it. 
On the other side, I can't believe Vladimir Putin either, because the dude is a thug, and he's a dictator, and he's a bad person. So I'm not going to believe his narrative either. This is the geopolitical conflict version with potential thermonuclear war version of terrible people doing terrible things to other people terribly. Okay. I. Is it possible it's just a practical joke? <laughs> they just got together and they're like, these, these freaking gullible Westerners, man. Well... That's, I would love that. It's definitely actually. these gullible westerns. This is this is the Cyrillic practical jokers. Is it is that is that possible? But it's one well, it's one that's making them very powerful and very rich. So it's it's more than that. It, but it is a joke nonetheless. Ashtonov, uh, uh, what is it? Ashtonov uh, Kutcher uh, will Ashtonov come out. Kutcher <laughs> will come You've out and say, pumped. "Psych, yeah, yeah." Ashtonov Kutcher's great. All right, exit question: Who will be in power longer? Biden or Putin? Aaron. Putin is 70, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Putin. Putin. You say Putin? Todd, Putin. you're Putin? Jill? Three for three. Putin. Three for three. If, if I, who is more likely to be out of power in the next two years? Biden or Putin? But uh, hmm, that one's harder. Yeah, that's why I reframed it because the other one seemed too easy. That's still Biden. Still Biden? Because he's got more outs. In two years? Yeah, because he could just get replaced by Big Mike, right? Worst Mm -hmm. possible outcomes. I love Big Mike. Big Mike (laughs) might be my favorite, my reference of the year. I'm just going to drop it every chance I have. I just love it. Yeah. I I think it's actually, I think it's actually Putin. Hmm. I'm just going to drop, I'm going to drop Big Mike in completely inappropriate situations. The female empowerment construct. Yes. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Where it's just not even relevant to the, or germane to the conversation. I just like saying Big Mike and what it means. I just like it. All right. We'll come back more of the day's group in a moment. This Pride Month, Matt Walsh was pointing out on Twitter today what a disaster overall it has been for the Rainbow Jihad. True. But the fact that it still exists nevertheless is indicative of the need for a parallel economy. And it's coming, just not as as swiftly as, as we had hoped. One place, though, luckily, where it is fully developed and available is when it comes to your mobile phone. So make the switch today to America's only American mobile phone service. Somebody who doesn't hate you will not take the money you give them and then immediately turn around and use it against you and the values that you stand for, but instead will support you and those values instead. That's our friends over at Patriot Mobile. You can make the switch right now with their 100% U.S.-based customer service team. They make switching easy for you and your family like they did for mine. Uh, Also, if at any point in time you need to switch networks, you've moved to another another part of town, your state, a whole other state, or one network that you were on just isn't as strong uh, as another one, you can switch to any of the three major carriers anytime for free. 
by being a member of Patriot Mobile. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. When you go to make the switch, they want to make sure to have extra ways to say thank you to you for your service. For the rest of us, you can get a free activation today with the offer code STEVE. When you head over to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, that's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, or call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. Let's welcome back in Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage as we continue on with your weekly look at the week that was. Here is issue three, Death of the West Quantified once more. Here's this from Pew Research, quote, marriage has been a long central institution in the lives of Americans. In 1980, just 6% of 40-year-olds had never been married. But people born in the 1960s onward have been increasingly delaying marriage and growing shares are foregoing it altogether. The 2021 data marks a new milestone in that decades-long trend. While many unmarried 40-year-olds are living with a romantic partner, most are not. In 2022, 22% of never-married adults aged 40 to 44 were cohabitating. Overall, 25%, one out of every four 40-year-olds in the United States, have never been married. Aaron, let us start with you. True or false, this is another clear sign of the death of the West. Absolutely true. And it's, it's tragic on so many different levels. On the one hand, you have mostly men who have no desire to get married. Some, and you have some women, too, who have no desire to get married. That in and of itself is tragic. It's nihilistic. They're den- denying themselves the blessing that God, uh, that God allows. There are those who would like to be married but cannot find because of the <laughs> prevalence of the first group mm-hmm. for one way or another or for some other factor like, you know, still living with your parents or not actually having some purpose or meaning in life. And so we're just kind of circling the drain here. This is another indicator. And is it a leading indicator? I don't know. But it's, it's another indicator of just how deep the cultural rot goes. Just how deep the cultural rot goes. I just heard the story the other day of, um, of uh, a, a, a woman who is in her early 30s now um, who was engaged about five years ago or so, uh, broke off the engagement, got with another guy. It's been five years now, still waiting. Just the dragging of the feet, the dragging of the feet. And it, it's, I felt bad. I felt bad for them. The dragging of the feet for one way, one reason or another. This is everything to do with what Todd likes to talk about all the time. It's the comfort the comfort that we all enjoy. Hey, I can just kind of do, do my own life, do my own thing, and uh, unen- un- unencumbered, unencumbered by you know, wife and family or husband and family. The view that marriage as an institution is cumbersome, while at the same time we spent a couple, two, three, four decades fighting for quote-unquote same-sex marriage. I don't, you know... It is a demonic, it is a demonic construct that we're witnessing here. The incongruence of those two competing, of those two notions. And again, we did a, uh, 
we did a, uh, I think it was an Evergreen. Did we actually air that Evergreen, uh, Demonic or Democrats? We did. Yeah. Demonic or Democrats. That, we, that was actually a follow-up to the Beck fill-in we did, not yeah, an Evergreen. That's correct. That's yes. correct. Thank yeah. you. That is this, this, what we're seeing here. Regardless of the situations, it is demonic in my mind. Jill, what say you? Uh, not in my 40s yet, but still in my 30s and never married. Trust me, guys, we're trying out here. I have friends in my in their 20s and in their 30s. And man, it is difficult out there just to find a guy like Aaron said. There's a lot that want it. And it's just hard to come by. Now, I'll use a couple examples. There was a video that went viral probably a week or two ago where there was a liberal woman saying, oh, man, I'm trying to go out there and find a masculine man to, to go out and right. date. Yeah. But I can't find them. They're all conservative. There are no liberals because they made masculinity toxic. So you've you've taken away the traits that women are actually seeking in men. I think that was obviously done on purpose. But two, baby daddy. Right. That's a term that we all know now in the 80s. When you go back to the low of that, it was not socially acceptable to have a baby out of wedlock. So there were probably a lot of people that would not have been married if not for baby on board. Uh, now the society just says, hey, you do you live your life. Love is love. Go go have whatever you want. Uh, so the societal expectations have completely shifted. And it's just one of those things that as you go through um, and, and try and say what what is right and what is going to be done, the men don't feel like they have to go through and, and actually date a woman because now there's just going to be another one on the app. Oh, if I don't like you, it's fine. I have a whole, you know, a couple different apps on my phone that will supply another female for me that will be able to do whatever I need. Um, but Steve, it also goes back to the video that you played last summer. I believe there was a woman and I think she had the best social commentary on this and and she played two different characters one with purple hair and yes, one is like a thank you. that was a great and video she was just going yeah. through and she's like hey women in in 2022 they have it all we can do it we have our jobs and then the housewife goes yeah but like who like then you have a housekeeper that takes care of everything and the woman's like oh no but we're tired all the time and we don't get everything and and it's just i don't i don't know maybe it's maybe it's not as great as we thought it was that video sums up that chart all in about 90 seconds. That's an excellent reset, Jill. Excellent reset. That video was very powerful. Todd, what do you think? In a past life, I regularly attended lunch at this great restaurant bar, and I befriended a Swiss anthropologist who had retired from teaching at the University of Wisconsin. And we developed a, a rapport had some great, great talks. And I came from a theological perspective, and he, he did not share, but he was fascinated by it. So we, uh, and uh, he, he used to talk about, in the area of homosexuality, how in studying animals, that people would come, oh, it's in the, at that community uh, too. And he said, no, I mean, this is, weird things happen in zoos to animals. He says, if you go out into the wild, there is an order, there is a hierarchy. There is discipline in how they behave, because... It's real life. It's not the lie of the zoo. My point being, we live in a zoo. Our current reality, we have, we are both the caretakers of the zoo and the occupants. It's, it's not real. And so that's why this whole notion of like 
living this long just artificially just not not coupling not procreating i mean my it, it's the and see the lie is one thing when you're sane but you keep telling it sooner or later you you're, you become insane because it's part of darwinism and the lie survival of the fittest yeah but the yeah. Sp species mm -hmm. this is how you have to even under their lie you have to propagate to see where this thing goes but a lie sooner or later told long enough you'll you'll go mad so now they won't even do that they won't even be part no, we're the lowest marriage we're, and birth rates we've ever had. We're insane animals so in a So the idea that cohabitation is just replacing marriage is not true. No. Because we are having, we have the lowest birth rates we've ever had. Yeah. You're, it's, 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 it's meaning that, it, well, it, it's it, just people are, are together but not married and still having families. Wrong. You're watching the deconstruction yes. of a civilization at a molecular madness, level. And they're stealing your kids right from under your nose. But see, you're also in the cage, too, because you're telling your different self different lies. And all in all, your normal comfort, and this is where Aaron's part comes in, you're going insane, too, because you're watching this happen, but you're rationalizing it. Well, you know, compassion, blah, blah, blah. they're stealing and operating on your kids. You're in a cage. We all are. This is the fakest fake that's ever faked right now, but at least you're comfortable. Here's the thing. Tell me, short of revival, what what would turn this around? Like, like, give me, tell me why if I'm outside of a biblical worldview or any theistic worldview whatsoever, I would be incentivized in, in, in any way, shape, or form to do different than the current paradigm. My line in is there's nothing a good depression can't cure. I think that we need one right about now to go through and and bring everybody together. You so kind of the argument time. that Todd was just making about certain Darwinian realities in the natural world. So you rob people of that comfort, idolatry, and natural instinct, regardless of what they think about God or who is God, eventually takes over in that situation. Is that what you're saying? You don't have to, yeah, you don't have time to worry about what your pronouns are. You don't have time okay. to go out and just, you know, I couldn't afford a rent on my own. They couldn't afford a rent on their own. So eventually you would just come together and buy, you know, because that's, that's what society and, and your your bank account would dictate so revival or suffering aaron yeah but that which you incentivize you get what more of yes and that which you disincentivize you get less of mm -hmm. why wouldn't you just say hey if you're a married couple and you have three or more children you don't pay any income tax there you go the longer you the the longer you remain married and having children, the, the more of a that, that marriage becomes a deduction. Yep. For after ten years of being married, uh, it becomes a deduction at that point. In time. Yep. Well, Steve, people will just stay married and not really mean it. Sure, they will. I mean, if you're if those are your complaints, then we can't have a society because there is no perfect solution. We live east of Eden. We're sinners. All right. It's you're making the argument. Well, there's this one family. They're gardeners. They are great people. They uh, completely love America and vote Republican. And so that's why we have to have open borders and can't deport anybody. I mean, we'll, we will be paralyzed by those unique examples. We, this is a country of 370 million people or 330 million people. We got to We got to make some general assessments here. We can't just make everything at a very individual level. So, yes, would people abuse what I just said? Sure. But by and large, would, 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 be, would, would, would there be a benefit 
to making a societal statement that way. Yes. It wouldn't make, we know this, things wouldn't be any worse than they currently are. Yeah. That, that we do know. They would not be worse. Let's get to the exit question. If the state of American masculinity within the next five years were one of the 20 Beatles songs to reach number one on the Billboard charts, which Beatles number one song would it be? A, help. B, we can work it out. C, I feel fine. Or D, yesterday. Jill. Help. Aaron. Um, oh, I feel fine. We're just trapped in our comfort. I mean, you can interpret these any way you yep. want. Todd? Yeah, I mean, you're both right, but in, in, in five years, I fear it's going to be still errant, rationalizing away. Okay. Quickly, kicker topic this week, issue four. If you could reverse one statistic in America, which one would it be and why? I'll, I'll start. Okay. The divorce rate. Even though fewer and fewer people are getting married, if the ones who were just were married would just stay married... I have to think a lot of things would change. That, t- that, that touches everything. So especially young couples. If you get married, just stay married. Todd. Uh, this skyrocketing, you know, Gen Z trans identification, uh, mostly because this is, this is biblical. Like, it, it, we, it, we get, this is going to last the rest of Steve's and my natural life. You know, it, they're not going to just go away. It's affected every way they think about things. This level of self-delusion and torture. So absolutely, if I could reverse that right now, it would be a game changer. Jill? Uh, I'm fully on the Todd train now of the vaccinating anybody, your children, adults, anything. They have red-pilled us so hard after all this that, that if we don't do, if we don't jab our children, you know, a couple days after they're born, the long-term health effects will likely be better as is now what we're seeing. It's all out in the open now and everybody, you know, RK Jr. kind of leading that charge right now uh, and just saying, it's fine if you don't do it. We're going to be okay. Amen, sister. Predictions. Jill, I'll go back to you. Go ahead. Uh, My prediction is that in a couple weeks, I will probably see Steve in person the second time that I will be attending the Family Leadership Summit. Can't wait to get back to Iowa. Yep, you may be a part of our coverage of that event, in fact, so we're looking forward to it as well. Aaron? I had this prediction. I was trying to think of something else because this is so dark. I believe in the next two years, there will be a major natural disaster in the United States uh, along the lines of, like, Mount St. Helens. Your best and worst of the week. <laughs> that's a, actually that's the least depressing thing I've heard on this show, quite frankly, today. So I'm, Todd, your prediction. I was thinking, uh, if Joe has to go away sooner rather than later, uh, we are going to need an obvious stand-in that will do all the same shameless uh, lying. And based on her stepping up recently, I think uh, Elizabeth Warren is going to be in the presidential race. Okay. Here's a, back to you, Aaron. Will, like in Pompeii, will we have like fossilized <laughs> remains Wait a second. of no, people who continue just having orgies no, while the lava comes down no, and, and cannot even, be bothered? No, yeah. We can't even be bothered to have orgies now, Steve. That's true. That would Unless require a physical exertion. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my prediction is this will be Kirk Ferentz's final season as Iowa football coach with the AD change and, the, and his age. 
and very could it could also maybe be his last chance to win a Big Ten championship, given where the league is going next with the end of divisions and everything else. And the new Iowa AD, whomever it is, I think typically ADs, when they hire their own people, go in the complete opposite direction of what was there before. All right? So I'm going to predict that the next Iowa football coach, and this is actually going to be in my college football preview, so I took it out of here, will be Kansas coach Lance Leipold. Iowa will go completely the other direction. Wide open offense from a guy that has a lot of Midwestern ties and Midwestern roots. Okay. Okay. Please, please, let's score some points. All right, guys. Thank you, Jill. Good to see you as always. You too. All right. We are coming back. She's going away. We're coming back. We've got another hour to go. It'll be Feedback Friday. Stay tuned. Here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. You are you, and you can let us know what you think about what we think. If you want to be a party to a future uh, Feedback Friday, just email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can also follow me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace, at Real Steve Dace there. Don't forget, if you listen to the podcast, please leave us a five-star review if you like us. If you don't, maybe keep that to yourself. Uh, if you have yet to do so, hit subscribe or follow if you listen via iTunes. And thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate those things so much, as do the powers that be here at The Blaze. This portion of the show, Feedback Friday, brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. You know, the USDA recently revealed that in America's breadbasket states, countless crops planted last season will be harvested this season. Thanks to extreme weather conditions and worldwide fertilizer shortages, those crops didn't stand a chance. Could mean food shortages, higher prices, managed decay. Make sure you're prepared just in case. Time to stock up now with emergency food from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. Uh, Get the new lower price on their popular four-week emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of the 2,000-plus calories that you need per day. And it stays good for over 20 years with proper storage. So you have peace of mind to know that the next time Let's Go Brandon gets down, you are prepared for it going down. All right. Limited time offer that expires soon right now at preparewithdace.com. Free shipping too. Free shipping too. At preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. Again, we're out of here Monday and Tuesday for the Independence Day weekend. And so by the time we come back, this stuff will be old news. I think before we get to Feedback Friday, we should acknowledge what's gone on at the U.S. Supreme Court the last couple of days. The redistricting uh, decision is it has potentially huge political ramifications that went against us. But the rest of this session has actually, particularly here at the end, the second year in a row that the June session of the Supreme Court overall went very well. 
Uh, in the last few days, we have seen the Supreme Court uphold religious liberty and the uh, systemic racism in higher education and stop one of the worst and largest redistribution of schemes in American history via Biden's uh, student loan forgiveness uh, debt relief plan. Um, and, and here's the reality that if Donald Trump isn't president, doesn't win in 2016, these things just don't happen. He should get credit for these things. I mean, everybody should get credit for what they deserve credit for, and everybody should get blamed for what they get blamed for. And the reality is, I'm the guy that ended um, affirmative action, Roe v. Wade, and uh, signed the Abraham Accords. That is a pretty powerful platform to run for office again on, without a without question. Now, he's not the only one in the can, can in the campaign, so you always compare and contrast your options but as a standalone entity I mean that's that's pretty powerful and I think it's important for us to remember I was having this conversation on Twitter during uh, one of the breaks with Jenna Ellis who's one of the former president's former legal counsel who is now enthusiastically supporting DeSantis and she said some things about why she prefers DeSantis, and I frankly would probably agree with her opinion. But I am concerned that we lack empathy in our public discourse, just as a people right now. Like I said yesterday, or maybe it was Wednesday we had this conversation, when it comes to policies and issues that determine the futures of people's lives and cultures, I will go to the mattresses on that because those are existential stakes and offending you and risking a relationship with you, as much as I would regret that happened, it's, it's not nearly as noteworthy and meaningful to me in the grand scheme of things as the outcome of that issue and policy is, okay? Which has impact on people far beyond whatever you and I's relationship was or was not prior to this disagreement. But... Barring those moments, I, I think we absolutely should strive for more empathy. And I think we're, we're, and speaking for me, just specifically, I think we have to remember that the cultic grifting um, obnoxiousness that exists on Twitter is not emblematic of the wider support for Trump in audiences like ours and elsewhere. And on those issues alone, those are very valid, enthusiastic reasons to be enthusiastic about Trump 2.0. I think it's important to remember that. Yes, I, I believe we need to relitigate the events of what happened March 20, uh, 16, 2020, because they're the reasons I believe he's not president today. That notwithstanding, those, those successes are not insignificant. I mean, essentially, Trump ended... If we're going to give, let me put it this way, if we're going to give Reagan credit, and I think we should, for ending the Cold War, the war that had waged for 50 years prior to the emergence of Ronald Reagan against the Soviet Union, and he closed the door on them. He closed them out. He Mariona rivera the Soviet Union, right? Well, think of what some of the, the, the big culture war issues of the, of the last 50 years have been. What were they? Institutional racism. I mean, I have no idea. Like, I mean, my parents, my, my ancestors came here at the turn of the century. I didn't own any slaves. Um, lived in the ghettos first when the ethnics lived there. They were called garlic eaters, wops, and dagos. I have no idea why I should get penalized 
because some uh, rich white landowner in Mississippi owned slaves, uh, you know, 80 years before my ancestors arrived on this continent. Do you know why I should be? I mean, that, that's the very definition of racism. I'm being, it's, I'm, I'm assuming some form of guilt on the basis of my skin color that, that has that, that my character um, and my heritage just doesn't justify. That's the very definition of racism, right? Mm-hmm. He ended that war, essentially. I mean, they'll still try to fight it on an individual level, but on a macro level, that war is over. Same with Roe v. Wade. I mean, those are two of the biggest culture war issues we had as a country over the last 50 years. And just as Reagan finished off the Soviet Union, Donald Trump finished off the battle against those shibboleths. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And we need to be reminded that there are reasons outside of vote Trump, vote Trump, vote Trump. Uh, My wife let me vote Trump. That, That crap we see on Twitter, we have to remember our audiences aren't on Twitter nearly as much as we are. And so a lot of times we, and I have to, again, I'm speaking for me more than anything else. We get upset and have carryover annoyance and baggage over what we're subjected to all day on social media that people in our audience that aren't even in those environments have. We shouldn't, just like I said, I shouldn't, that, that whatever went on with, you know, wealthy white landowners and slavery, which was a grave injustice and sin, why that should be projected on a kid who happens to also be white, but his ancestors were immigrants that came here 70 years after that ended is beyond me. That's racism. Don't project the cultic grifting annoyance of bots and paid um, acolytes in our feed. Don't project that onto our audience either. There are real, despite his own limitations, despite how, how much they tried to undermine him, and despite all the soap opera, there were real significant achievements there that need to be recognized that are more than a sufficient platform on their own, singularly, to justify him running for president again and people supporting that. So I wanted to make sure we did that today because by the time we come back on Wednesday, these rulings and stuff will be on other different news cycles. And I don't want to I, I be guilty of not recognizing significant achievements when they happen. There's a certain poetry to, we talk about who would have guessed Trump as the guy who solves uh, Roe by extension of who he chose. But there's a certain symmetry in that a non-ideological president. I mean, listen, he's not a pro-life crusader. So non-ideological president would choose judges who in now multiple cases would make very non-ideological rulings showing us that this is this is what the court is supposed to be it's supposed to be the least ideological you an executive i mean trump you know, you're, you're or desantis or a democrat you're trying to win something you're supposed to gain territory that's not what they're supposed to be doing and you're seeing it here of course they're going to tell them now the sky is falling the most ideological court ever the left is going to say all these things they are right now but look what happened roe the reversal of roe it did not get rid of abortion it said we're going back to what it was before it's still legal if your state makes it legal in these cases uh with the uh biden's declaration of uh student loan debt it's not really saying that you can't do this legislatively. It's saying you're Biden, you're not the king. There's a democracy. There's a process. 
uh, for this. The same thing in the uh, bake the cake uh, bigot case. You know, like you, this. No, they they didn't say that uh, anything was particularly right or wrong. They just said this is your business. Do what you want. The other business can do the exact opposite. These aren't these aren't great moral ideologies. No one's making you bend the knee to any new religion here. Certainly, like is happening uh, with the uh, rainbow jihad. It's just these are. This is this is the and we have fresh frustrations. Steve, you just laid them out regarding several of the judges who have been disappointments, but they are supposed to be uh, referees. Scalia's looked at and and now Clarence Thomas as uh, you know great uh, great ideologues, but as originalists, they're like I don't. It's and Scalia is famous for saying you're you're supposed to not be comfortable with the even maybe even the morality of some of your decisions because. You're just there to referee this ballgame. You didn't invent the ballgame. The reason why we're comfortable with these decisions is because what's being adjudicated now, when Scalia's talking about how far do we pass on Miranda rights and habeas corpus to people who are obviously terrible people, Mm -hmm. and we're going to maybe let them go because a a higher principle was Mm -hmm. violated when we know they might do worse later on. Mm -hmm. That argument of conscience is happening within the framework of the Constitution's intent. Yes. And if we're if we're arguing within the framework of the Constitution's intent, then yes, there will be times that you will not be comfortable with the rulings you will make in defense of that intent. Mm-hmm. We're not arguing that right now. Right now, we're arguing now we're arguing because young people vote Democrat, and they have a lot of debt. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass that debt on to people that don't marry people that don't typically vote Democrat mm-hmm. and do most of the living and dying in the country. That's not that's that's not an argument within the the intent the intent of the scheme of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. That's an attempt to unravel it, mm-hmm. right? Because I want because I want to make sodomy mainstream in America. I am going to force you against your own conscience to use your intellectual abilities and properties to promote my message when I would never demand that somebody black show up and perform uh, their gifts and skills for a group of white nationalists or a Klan meeting. That's not the intent of the Constitution. That's not, hey, man, in order for there to be a free society. That's why what David French said about uh, blessing of liberty. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the public acknowledgement in a public building, we can argue with whether having a red light district where certain people right. with, with, un, with, with that are, that are mm-hmm. undesirables and right. live in raincoats, okay, have a place where they can essentially go the purge, mm-hmm. all right? And, and we can argue whether how far to prosecute that because, and, and what would be the backlash against that? What French was arguing was public buildings used as places to debauch our children is not that is not that is not that calculation mm-hmm. it, it's not it, that is state sanctioned debauchery that's something completely and totally different and that's why you panned it and many others did yes. right that's the stuff we're doing now instead of because we are concerned about creating an all-powerful state that may undermine the constitution's intent are there certain things we need to allow even if it's an imperfect outcome because of the larger question here. Instead, it is now we will use the state to undo the scheme and, and purpose of the Constitution itself. Those are the issues we're arguing mm-hmm. now. Yeah. All right, let's get to Feedback Friday. Aaron, did you want to chime in on this at all before we move no, on? No, I mean, we're just going from uh, all men are crea- created equal with certain inalienable rights, dot, 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 to will to power. That's basically yeah, what... Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. Yes. 
All right, let's begin. Uh, let's start with Randall Van Offsen. Uh, he writes, some time ago, I remember listening to you try to explain the difference between total depravity and utter depravity, which sounded to me like a distinction without a, without a difference. Oh, brother, there's a, there's a big difference there. So your endeavor to make that point was lost on me, but listening to you talking the other day about the Imago Day and how that relates to the life issue, vaccines, etc., uh, sounds like you are that your ideas are at odds with one another. For example, if a baby is born with the Imago Day, how can it be totally depraved as well? Okay. So these are good questions. That's why I'm going to choose to use my precious airtime to answer them. Let's suppose I manufacture a car. My name is Ford because that's all I buy right now because my buddy Larry Jackson is the service manager at Granger Motors, which is Ford, and I trust him to fix my cars. So that's where I go buy all my cars. Uh, let's say you're, you, uh, you make Fords and you put the name Ford on it. It is made according to it is made in your image as a company, right? Mm-hmm. The things that you um, that that you want and prioritize in a vehicle, it bears a unique trademark to what you are known for in your vehicles. Okay, mm-hmm. but but it has no engine. So, it has everything else, but it's missing a key component of what actually would make it function fully the way that it was intended to, the way that it was originally intended to. Is that car made in the image of Ford? Does it bear the logo of Ford? Yes. Was it, was it made according to the processes that Ford has, has, has itemized and thus utilized in, in within its own methodologies and, 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 and practices as, an, as, an, as a corporation? Mm-hmm. As, a, as a creator. As a creator. It's made the way Ford intended for it to be made, but it is lacking something that, has the, 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 that pr- provides it. So... Let's just say it's just bef- the engine's the, le- the engine block's the last thing that's put in. And you went and saw the car before the engine block was put in. Nobody, let's say nobody even did anything wrong. It's just the engine block hasn't been put in yet. And you saw, you saw the display of the, card, of the car that Ford made. Is that still a Ford car? Yeah. Is it still made in the image of Ford? Yeah. It, it's still made according to their handiwork. Their imprint is on that vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. But will it function fully the way that it was intended to without, until the engine block is put in? No. No. That's the difference, brother, right there. That's the difference. That's what we mean by Amaga Day. You were made in the likeness and image of God. Everyone was. But a key component is missing when we are born. We are sinners. And so we cannot possibly reach the full potential of the image in which we were made. Something separates us. That's sin. Just like if you buy that Ford card I just described and it doesn't have the engine block in it, something separates you from the open road. Not having the engine block in the car. It, it's a Ford. They made it. Their handiwork, their handprint, their imprint, imprimatur is on it. Everyone will clearly recognize that's a Ford. But without the engine block in it, you ain't taking that thing anywhere, are you? Not going anywhere. So it's, it, it cannot reach the full potential as was originally intended. Something's missing. And you're in, in each of our cases, because of, this, because of the sin that we inherit from our father, Adam, that we are all born into. And this is why no parent has ever had to teach a child to say no. You have never been in a public place ever. 
where a parent had to sit down and say to a child, okay, okay, sweetie, say it with me now. Mine. Come on, you can do it. Say it. Mine, mine. You've had four, I've had three. Aaron, you're on one. It's, it's amazeballs how they just automatically start saying terms like that before you even knew what they knew what they were. And even if you raise some pretty darn good kids, yeah. you, they, yeah. they still tell you no every once That's in a exactly while. right. Yes. All right. And so when we're utterly depraved, that would mean that, that the sin in us is so deep that we cannot, we cannot reflect the image at all in whom we are made. That's not true. We're not utterly depraved. I can still do that. I can still even unintentionally do it. I can be a great pagan like Aristotle and Archimedes and come up with great um, scientific and Socrates, scientific thought outside of biblical revelation, living in a culture that is non, that it has, has, has not yet received any revelation from Jehovah, from Christ. And yet, because I bear his image, I can still figure out certain aspects to how his creation works because of what he has put on me and put in me. I can still perform acts of great charity. This is the what good. I can't do, though, is bridge the chasm between him and me. I can't get on that open road or in this and maybe now in this case, the narrow road. I can't get on that narrow road. Because I'm missing that key piece of equipment. So there's, in, in, in a lot of ways, it, I can be a Ford. I can be, I can look and be and look like the Mustang. Pick your, you know, Ford Ranger. That's the truck I drive. Whatever your favorite Ford vehicle is, okay? I, in many ways, I can resemble that. I can offer the, the, the details and services that that car has. But without the engine block on, I am not getting on the narrow road, let alone any road. And that's what it means. That's the difference between utterly depraved and totally depraved. Go ahead, Todd. Well, this is all clearly laid out in Romans 1. The, the you can't not know part is the Imago Dei. The links that we will go to convince ourselves that we can't know or don't know, that's all of the, the lies. And, and that's why Romans 1 in and of itself is a perfect encapsulation of what Steve tells you happens chapter by chapter throughout Romans. It keeps toggling back and forth. Well, within Robin, Ro Romans 1, it has the answer to your question. They're not in contradiction. You, you, they're telling you actually the whole ballgame right mm -hmm. there. They, you, you can't not know. You be, be not afraid. If you, if you want the truth, it's there. It's everywhere because I gave it to you. But also, you're a hot mess, and as soon as you forget that part... Look at all the things that you will do to corrupt yourself, lie to yourself, and lie and corrupt Correct. others. Correct. You are made in God's image, but you are not fully connected to God the way that you were originally, we were, we were originally made to be. And, that, and it's our sin that separates us from a holy God. And only he can bridge that gap. And that's what Christ did for us at the cross. Trav, go ahead, Aaron. I think it's, it's also maybe important to add in here as well. <laughs> <clears throat> to be careful not to conflate what you're seeing in society with what we're talking about here, which is we're, we're talking about our, we're, we're talking about an individual level thing. Yes. What we may be seeing in society right now as we go from secular apart from God to now expressly anti-God, that may have the hallmarks of 
some degree of utter depravity, or at least attempting towards it. But when we're talking about the state of our souls, this is the con- this this is the context in which we're having this discussion. Or the or the engine block, in yep. my analogy. Yes, that's very well said. Good clarification there. All right, let's move on. Uh, this is from Travis in Texas. He says, "You know, your show has truly helped me in various ways uh, in my life. I can't thank you enough for that." But I th- and I think maybe I can clarify some of the frustrations you get from your audience sometimes on issues involving Catholicism or the LDS or other religious viewpoints. Um, you claiming that the show isn't about apologetics honestly helps me understand better why you don't go, go insane with talking about every denomination or every thought within uh, Christendom or the culture. However, I think you keep getting these emails uh, due to how passionate you are, and rightfully so, against fake pastors wearing Hawaiian shirts, Joel Osteen, etc., but not understanding why non-evangelical Christian churches don't receive the same scrutiny. That's part of, I think, that confuses me is, is why do people like Joel Osteen and those pastors get ripped? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I think the Pope is a, the current Pope is a communist, and I've said that out loud several times. Yeah. At, the very, at the very least, he is a woke simp. But I can answer your question. Um, the primary application, with what I said the other day about this, the, the primary way that our show approaches a biblical worldview is its application. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a trained theologian. I have studied the Bible uh, fervently. I have read a lot of theologians, but I am a layman. And I, I don't believe that I have the qualifications or the specific calling to do that kind of work. Now, because of the sorry state collectively of the Christian church in America, we have had to at times go back, like I just did a minute ago when answering this guy's question. I, I, we have to go back sometimes and do some of those apologetics to justify the application that our show really is focused on. Our show originally began many years ago, even before you guys came to work here, under the auspices of we're going to do a biblical worldview by mobilizing Christians. We then realized, uh-oh, that's not going to work. At least I, I then realized we're going to have to go back and find Christians first. Okay. It wasn't like, you know, I, um, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Okay. Um, yeah. I was trying to harvest a crop that uh, hadn't been planted yet. Okay. So we had to go back and, you know, one plants, another waters, then God gives the increase. We had to go back and plant some seed, you know, and, and, and then when you get into the application, people that don't understand will have legit questions like the last gentleman was, and I was happy to answer those. Okay. But, I, but ultimately people that have, that are called to do that and have spent their life studying these questions are whom we should be going to. Um, I'm here to, to say, you know, I, I'm here to try to answer the question of Peter, you know, what kind of people ought we to be? I'm here primarily for an application pastors like Joel Osteen are in my way. If I was doing apologetics primarily, then I would, I would think that some of the things, the challenges that you guys bring to my attention would be more in my way, but I'm doing application. And the reality is I've got a much better opportunity right now, rightly or wrongly, but I have a much better opportunity right now to salvage what's left of the American dream for my children with the LDS members of this audience than anybody in Joel Osteen's audience. 
Now, that being said, am I, am I eroding or backing away from anything I disagree with people who identify or LDS? Have no. I watered any of that down? No. Do I overlook any of that? No. Do I act like say, none of that's important? No. Nope. Nope. Not doing that either. So I'm not making a false choice. But I mean, I'm, I'm here for, I'm, my mission, I believe, is application. To call us to action. That's what I think my mission is. And in that, in that, in that parlance, you know, as Jesus said to his own disciples, whoever isn't, whoever, whoever isn't against us is for us. Okay. You know, a tree by its fruit. So I don't know the individual spiritual condition of everybody working in the same field that I am and plowing the same row that I am. I don't know. And it's not my jurisdiction to know. Okay. My jurisdiction is to keep plowing the field and the row and, and, and plowing and plowing the row that, 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 you know, God told me to plow. And if you want to plow the same road as me and you can put up with everything about me that is annoying, including my unwielding principles, by golly, we're friends. But if you're not, or if you're, if you're, if you're getting in the way of me plowing my row, no matter what you may claim we agree on, we will not be friends. Does that answer that question, do you think? Yes and no. Okay. Because we've had, we actually had a debate on this show. No, maybe the people complaining weren't watching it. You and I debated the Reformation. Like, we don't... In fairness, our show's literally grown 600% yes, since 2017. All they're like, yeah. hey, you guys, you won't go there. Honestly, shut up. I mean, yeah, we, we will talk, if we will debate any and all of this but we also did that before i what year before covid 2017 before COVID, was the 500th anniversary and before yeah. uh tranny madness you know it, it was certainly looming yeah. but it was like there's we got stuff we're, we're not like just off you know collecting lint from our navel okay and furthermore can you please if if you want to us to go back it to again, put down the other stuff and entertain this stuff again, I guarantee you Steve would be happy to do that. But can you come at us with some arguments that are actually better than Joel Osteen? Because quite frankly, what you're bringing to the table on this is in his camp. I got to tell you, we, we, in Todd's defense, we have gotten several disappointing emails. I yes. mean, stuff that's just... The kinds of emails that would put me in the position of having to host Catholic answers as an evangelical, they're so bad. Like they're 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 just lacking any semblance of foundation of, of fact. I mean, I listen, I, I, I clearly believe there are legitimate objections to Catholicism. Otherwise I would be Catholic. But almost none of them are showing up in my inbox and discussing these questions. Dan Brown of the Da Vinci Co called guys and said, Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. I mean it's pretty weak. But I think that's reflective of the reactionaryism that exists in much of the church, because without a vision, the people perish. More in a moment. You know, now that we're in the summer, it does not mean you have missed your window to upgrade the landscaping around your home uh, with our friends over at Fast Growing Trees. Their plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrubs, tree varieties for your unique climate. What was our colleague, Daniel Horowitz, what did he plant? Was it a key lime tree? I think so, yeah. yeah. Is that what that was? <laughs> 
that's the thing with him, man. Like, you think he's like this just like hardcore dude all the time. Then he goes and plants a key lime tree from fast growing trees. That right? is hard. That's based, man. That's based. It, 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 going out. It, it certainly isn't. It, that's not one that you'll probably just put in the ground and then just wait to see what happens. Yeah. All right. That's going to take a little work. All right. Uh, so if you want to get customized recommendations based on your specific needs or wants, their experts are always available to help you keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. No more waiting in long lines, lugging heavy plants around, or dirtying your car when you throw them in your trunk. Don't have to do that anymore. Uh, Fast Growing Trees delivers it right to your door, and you can join the over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Tree customers that are out there. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash steve that's fastgrowingtrees.com slash steve you'll get 15% off there when you do at fastgrowingtrees.com slash steve alright this is from Rick alright since you guys don't necessarily do apologetics as a focus what are your top 5 Christian apologetic books well I think the greatest Christian apologetic book that has ever been written is the book of Romans but if we're taking books aside from the Bible I mean, some of the ones that are uh, that are venerable classics. I'll give you a few that I would recommend. You guys can either chime in or, or agree. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Evidence that demands a verdict and or more than a carpenter by Josh McDowell. There's another book that Josh McDowell wrote about 20 years ago, very underrated, that I think would be particularly useful with young people that have been awash in moral relativism and subjectivism. And postmodernism, it's called from be or it's called beyond belief to conviction is what it's called. Beyond belief to conviction. That's another one from Josh McDowell that I would recommend. Beyond belief to conviction. Kingdom of the Cults by Dr. Walter Martin is another one I would recommend. Again, that's Kingdom of the Cults by Dr. Walter Martin. Uh, you want to go really old school? I mean, you're you're outside of the Bible itself. Probably the seminal apologetics work in the Christian church for the first 1,000 years or so of the church. Um, City of God by Augustine. I believe that's like 700 pages if I remember right though. So pull up a chair and grab a Snickers. Okay. But those are a few that I would recommend. You guys want to throw anything else in there? I'm sure there's others I could think of, but off the top of my head, I'd recommend those. St. Augustine, the Confessions. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, Summa Theologica. Uh, St. John Paul uh, II, Theology of the Body. That is good. I've read that too. I've read that one. That's good. This is more of a textbook and theological, but it's Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. That's good too. I think it's the top 10 objections to Christianity by Alex McFarlane. That one stuck out in my mind as well. I thought thought a, a really good simple place to start, go back to Easter. Uh, what was the book? I want to make sure I get the name right. What was Jeremiah's book on the resurrection? Body of Proof. Okay. Because, in fact, if you want to start at something, you want to start the most basic place you need apologetics, that's it. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, then the rest of, we're wasting the rest mm-hmm. of our time here. So, Body of Proof, the seven best reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus and why it matters today by my good buddy, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston down there in Dallas, Texas. That came out just this last Easter. We talked to him about it at the time. That's a great one to start with because if you don't, if you can't, if you can't prove the resurrection and you don't believe in the resurrection, the rest of this is irrelevant. So you might as well start at, you know, the most basic fundamental fact or claim of the Christian religion. 
that Jesus Christ was bodily resurrected after being bodily dead. And of course, there's another guy named Clive Staples Lewis in Mere Christianity. Touches on, yeah, I think I mentioned that one at first, but yes. <laughs> yep. All right, good question. Uh, Kale Wright, you posed a question on your show the other day on whether the Brett Baer interview on Fox changed anyone's mind on Trump. It actually did change mine. I really hadn't listened to it until you played the clip because I'm a bit behind. Um, but I certainly liked him better uh, before the interview than after. My husband was one of those who had to die alone in August of 2020. He died of sepsis, and they would not let me in to see him because of a virus that neither of us had. There is more to that story, but to get to the point, addressing that issue is pretty high on my hit list. And I liked Trump well enough before that interview because of how he handled other issues like foreign policy and the economy. But he did not handle COVID well. I thought in retrospect he would see that he was wrong. Not sure I expected an apology, but expected at least he might say something that indicated a few things had gone awry. Unforeseen circumstances, blah, blah, blah. But nope, I was wrong. Instead, he doubled down. My husband died alone, and Trump is still proud of Operation Warp Speed and his imaginary vaccine. So yes, that, in, that interview changed my mind. And I may be a sample size of one. But my internal pro-Trump polling number just went down. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys for keeping God front and center. I mean, this is, we were talking about this off the air the other day. I think we should discuss it on the air. Let's imagine that even after the 30 days to slow the spread, because that's really where Trump lost the narrative. And I want to, let me take a step back, actually. I don't fault Trump for the, mis- for the, for the mistakes of, of the things that we now know are mistakes. I didn't sit here throughout 2020 and even the first quarter of 2021 railing against a rushed vaccine. I, I didn't think they'd actually come up with one because silly me, I actually believed in the previous vaccine process. And I kept saying, guys, it takes like 10 years to develop a vaccine. They tried for over 10 years to develop a vaccine for the first SARS. They couldn't do it. I don't think they'll be able to do it with this one. At best, maybe they'll come up with a therapeutic that treats the symptoms like the flu shot. Remember how many times did I say that? I don't know. And that, that was like the only uh, you know, COVID vaccine conversation we had on this show for like a year and a half. And I was so hoping you were going to be right. Yes. But. All right. So I, I, it's not about the mistakes that were made in the moment with something unforeseen. That, it, that was an unforeseen ambushing of a country and a presidency or presidency and by extension, a country. That's why I compared it to Pearl Harbor at the time. Pearl Harbor is the singular greatest threat on our own home soil to our liberty since the Brits burned down the White House in the War of 1812. That is the closest anyone has come within our own homeland of imposing their will on us since then was Pearl Harbor. COVID was next in my view. Some would say 9-11, but, but remember, and I get that, and it, of course that was an awful, tragic event. How did our way of life, other than it became less convenient to fly in air, on airports, how did the rest right. of our way of life tra- change because of 9-11? In fact, they went out of our way to not have a sacrifice. Right. They went out of our way to not have us have like a home front and join the effort. We were back to playing football games two weeks later, like go, go yeah. to Walmart, don't let the terrorists win, right? You know, exactly. we'll take it. So... Our, just like life in America was different from December 6th to December 7th, 1941, 
like a Thanos snap, life in America changed, right? Mm -hmm. Life changed. There was life in America March 15, 2020, and then there was life in America on March 16, 2020. There was not life in America on September 10th and September 11th. We thought about it for a little bit. We thought maybe we should maybe be reflective and change some things. And we just went back to doing what we were doing. And, you know, within a decade, now we've got Muslim, we had, we had Muslim terrorists shooting up Fort Hood and the head of the army is on scene and concerned about his diversity outreach program. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Just how convenient it was to fly in America changed. That was it. That was the only thing that changed. That was the only thing that changed. March 16, 2020, we got up the whole world to changed. December 7, 1941, you got up the next day, everything changed. That's why I made that comparison. Let's assume that Trump, because it's not the mistakes that he made in the moment getting ambushed like this. We look at, we look at FDR as the hero of World War II now. If we had like talk radio and, and blogs in the winter of 1942, didn't, you're like, dude, we're going to lose our entire civilization here. I mean, wasn't looking that wasn't looking that good right but now we're at the end of the story so we know how it now we know how it ends it's the fact that he won't own up to those mistakes so there's no we have no assurance they won't just get made again there won't be some other contrived there there won't be some other contrived uh, crisis with some other contrived agency of swamp rat bureaucrats who right when right when he has right when he's got this thing humming comes so yeah you shut it all down or we're all gonna die and he's like don't I don't want that to happen take it take it you run the country you I'll do whatever you tell me can't we need to know so it's not that he made those mistakes is that there is no recompense there is no self-awareness about them I, I have no regrets he told Brett Bear I'm comfortable with everything Let's assume that didn't happen. Let's assume he even made the mistake of 30 days to slow the spread because that was the moment when the narrative was lost and the blue state governors were empowered to just keep this going now as long as they wanted to, to wreck the economy, their own states, him, everything, right? Yes. Let's assume at some point, in fact, let's assume it even happened really late. Like finally, people like me and Daniel had gotten Scott Atlas enough, uh, um, uh, enough exposure that he gets a job in the White House. Which is what happened, frankly, for being honest. And he comes in in what was it, late July, early August, if I remember right. And let's let's assume that, that is the moment, finally, after all this damage has been done, that Trump says, "You know what, man? I'm, uh, you are my son, Mr. Atlas, and whom I am well placed." Okay, um, I have one command for you. I want you to reenact uh, Robert De Niro's famous scene in The Untouchables. I want you to gather the entire. Um, what was it called? The uh, coronavirus. What was the name of the uh, committee? Do you guys remember what he called task it? Task force. Yeah. The, I want you to gather the entire uh, coronavirus task force at a table. Pick a room. Any room you want in the White House. Gather them all. And I want you to teach them that a team is only as good as its weakest link and just trash this entire thing. Okay. And then we're going to do what you said. And when's the election? And then we read Scott Atlas's book. Yes. Let's assume, though, that, that, that Trump read Scott Atlas's book <laughs> as it was being written in real time and did the right thing. Do you guys realize how much different things would be right now? Sure. He would be under no serious legal jeopardy. Right now, guys, I'm telling you, he is in serious jeopardy. If he doesn't win this next election and pardon himself or get somebody that will do it for him, he is going to spend, there are better odds that Donald Trump will spend the rest of his natural life wearing an ankle bracelet at Mar-a-Lago than spend one more night in the White House as president. That doesn't happen if he wins this election. 
this this animus and animosity that we have right now on our side, where, where the two disruptor candidates and their and their supporters are killing each other right now between mm-hmm. Trump and DeSantis. We have a line of succession. Yeah. Trump now looks to Ron DeSantis and says, "Exactly why I picked you to be governor of my." Of my Exactly why I picked you to be governor of my new home state. And you did exactly what I thought you would do. And that's why we made it my new home state. This is my successor in whom I am well pleased. And we all know what the line of succession is. We've got like a plan, years laid out. Everybody's on the same team. We are all mobilized against one enemy. You see what I'm saying? Everything would be different. The economy, everything. His personal standing. See, it's not just Carol that suffered from the decisions made beginning on March 16, 2020. Trump himself is suffering from those decisions. I cannot possibly believe, I, I, this is where I hope he's lying to me. I cannot possibly believe, I assume his lawyers are telling him, sir, if we don't win, you're looking at life, the rest of your natural life incarcerated. You can't possibly believe, man, if I had found some way to win that election and not made these mistakes. Unless he truly believes that they, they, the only reason he lost is they stole it from him. Yeah, they stole it from him. Who gave them the means to steal it? They've been wanting to do ballot harvesting like this our entire lives, Todd. They've tried to do this our entire lives. Why were they uniquely able to do it in 2020 and they could never do it before? Did something happen? Were decisions made? Some method method that opened the door? Some some camel's nose under the tent? Some Trojan horse that was allowed through the city gate that allowed them to do something they've been writing about since since when Aaron was born? Can you think of what that might be? Some unique circumstance that just gave them plausible explanation for we couldn't possibly have a legit election. It's not safe out there and it was so successful that republicans led the way on it in states like georgia and wisconsin in making this happen remember it was the wisconsin state legislature that planted the drop boxes in that state yes controlled by republicans yeah (laughs) if he's not and see this goes back to what i said earlier about give him credit he has achieved significant things that our lives are better for yes but if you want to know my hesitancy, which at times because of my personality sounds like opposition, let me reset. If he is the Republican nominee, I will ballot harvest for him myself because we got to win. I mean, we can't afford four more years of this. We got to win. But if you want to know while we're sitting here on June 30th and I am hesitant to the point of sounding like opposition most days, it is because... He has provided us no evidence at all, none, that there's even the least bit of reflection or like, imagine you're a football team and you go out there in the first half and your team's getting its ass kicked. What happens at the end of the first half? They have an event. What's it called? Before the second half starts. Halftime. Halftime. A lot of times teams go in there at halftime and what do they do? Make adjustments based on what, what wasn't working sure. in the first half, right? So imagine you come out there, man, you're running the same defense, and they're just friggin' torching you. Going there at the half. You come out, they get the ball the first series, your team comes out in the exact same defense. As a fan, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right Saying words the Blaze doesn't want us to say on the air. That's what you're doing right now! All right, and you're thinking, you're like Ice Cube, Ice tea. Mama's got to die tonight. Someone needs to die for this. You're incensed, you're furious. And that's just a game. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. We're talking about real life. 
Carol's husband died alone because of the mistakes that were made here. You bet your ass he needs to be reflexive of that. He needs to reflect upon that. He may spend the rest of his natural life in prison. What the feds are doing now, they're going to, don't, don't be surprised if, if they're superseding indictments and indictments in New Jersey and the grand January, they're going to, they're going to indict him like nine times and they've only got to land one punch. They just got to go one for nine. If they just go one for nine, they put him in prison for the rest of his natural life. Meanwhile, he's got to sweep every single, every single judicial count and win the election. If he does that, he truly is God's anointed and I will bow down. That'll be the most amazing damn thing I've ever seen. You bet your ass he needs to be, he needs to reflect on these mistakes and why he's in this position. Because you're asking me right now when there's another viable option in the race that has shown a hell of a lot more self-control and can deliver for me probably a lot of the things about Trump that I like without any of this collateral damage or at least a lot of it. You're asking me right now, seven months before the Iowa caucuses, to completely entrust mine and my, and more importantly, my kids' futures to a guy who has demonstrated no reflection at all as to why he has the plight that he currently has. I'm not willing to make that gamble today. And I can't put it any plainer than that. People like Carol deserve more than, vote Trump, they deserve more than that. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.